0: You've probably heard the expression, everything old is new again. Is it true? There are always new ideas, new strategies, and new concepts. Sometimes things do cycle back around again. Technology demands that we learn new skills and adopt new practices all the time. When it comes to teaching and living, there are strategies that manage to survive in some form or another through different times and places. Today, we're taking a look at five life lessons
1: that stand the test of time. Welcome to season two of the Inspired Together Teachers podcast.
0: We're Paula and Michelle, award-winning
1: educators who've worked
0: with thousands of teachers, and we know the struggles you face on a daily basis.
1: Do you want to make a difference and still enjoy your life outside of
0: school? Together, we can tackle the overwhelm, gain clarity, and build confidence to live the life you deserve.
1: Are you ready to be inspired? We can't wait to explore ways to improve your work life and home life so that you can live your best life. Everything old is new again. We've both been teaching long enough to see things go in and out of favor and back again. For example, phonics was once a main focus in teaching reading to younger students. And then it was kind of put on the back burner in favor of using multiple forms of reading, including using context clues and memorizing sight words that are difficult to sound out and focusing on comprehension. Now the cycle has swung back to emphasizing phonics again. Other skills and strategies have cycled in and out of favor. For example, cooperative learning and group work. Goal setting, even self regulation. I can remember when report cards had a section on deportment or self regulation skills, things like gets along with others, works independently. Those were things on the report cards. And then the emphasis turned away from that and it turned all to content skills, standards, and mastery. Guess what? Self regulation skills are back. Teachers were once taught
0: don't smile until Christmas. Now, of course, we understand that building relationships is vital and it's difficult to build relationships with students when you can't smile. We hope that pendulum never swings back.
1: We thought it would be useful to look at strategies and skills that stand the test of time. These are lessons in life and learning with staying power.
0: Before we begin, though, we want to give you a few cautionary words. We understand that some of these ideas may seem controversial to some people, and to other of you, they may seem so obviously true. You may wholeheartedly agree with us, or you might not agree with us at all, and both of those are okay. We're sharing things that we see as valuable lessons that stand the test of time, whether or not they are currently in favor.
1: We based our lessons learned on what we believe to be best practices in education and life. We both have advanced degrees and we believe in reading and analyzing research. We've read a lot of research. There are always studies that contradict each other. Statistics are often taken out of context and can be manipulated. What you're getting in this episode are our beliefs after reading the research through the filter of our work and lived experiences.
0: Lastly, we are both experienced teachers who have taught different ages, grades, and content levels. We've also visited hundreds of schools and worked with thousands of teachers. Between us, we've been in classrooms in four different continents, Europe, Africa, North America, and South America, We've worked with the spectrum of students from early childhood to graduate students. So we see the big picture in education. These are life lessons that resonate with us and our experiences. These are old ideas that still work. They stand true always in both home and work lives. They are lessons to live by, safe
1: bets, and mottos to hold true to. Let's get into it. What are some lessons that stand the test of time? Number one, Significant learning does not take place without significant relationships. You've probably heard the phrase, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. My grandma used to say that. It means that being sweet will get you further than being sour or bitter. In its essence, it's all about building relationships. What does that look like in real life? It might mean that being kind and pleasant and helpful to students will garner you more respect from them, which results in more cooperation might also mean that kindness goes a long way. For example, yelling at a struggling student is not likely to be helpful. Being patient, explaining things in a different way, or encouraging their efforts is a positive way to be supportive. We all know that, yet we've all seen students treated with disrespect.
0: I have a great example for this life lesson. When I worked in a school for students with severe behavior challenges, I would often find that students, once they established that relationship with me, were much more likely to learn from me than students who had not established that relationship yet. For students who had struggled with positive relationships probably their whole lives, this often meant that I had to build the relationships with them in ways that I had not before, like playing basketball with the students when I supervised recess. I am absolutely no good at basketball. However, for these students, it didn't matter. Being out there on the court with them, talking to them as we were shooting hoops, once that relationship was built, they were much more open to learning from and with me. How else might building relationships work in our lives? Happiness research tells us that we are healthier and live longer when we have significant relationships. We address this in episode five and episode 20. We'll link to that into the show notes. You might be pleasant to the waiter and ask for something in a nice way. It's easy to do. Or maybe you treat the grocery clerk who is overwhelmed with a long line with a little bit of extra kindness. Think about the last five times you greeted someone, maybe a student, a coworker, a spouse, or a stranger. When you greeted them, were you rushed? Did you stop, smile, and say hello to them? Or did you quickly say, hi, how are you, and not wait for an answer? You never know when someone is struggling with something, and your smile or your hello might be the bright spot of their day, which is a great transition for life lesson number two.
1: Lesson two, all people have strengths and challenges. We keep hearing that students today are different. Times today are different. The political climate is different. And maybe even parental support is different. Rules and expectations are also different. But the students? Maybe not. My grandmother used to talk about the challenges she faced in the past. During the Depression, most children came to school with no lunch. They didn't have enough food. My grandmother felt very fortunate because she had two pieces of bread covered with lard. Now that sounds disgusting to me, but for children with no access to food, lard sandwiches sound pretty good. Years ago, I taught students who were homeless and one family of students who lived in their car. I saw a lot of students with trauma. I vividly remember a seventh grade boy who was the main caretaker of his younger brother and sister. He cooked for them, bathed them, put them to bed every night. He also used his mom's checkbook to pay the bills and buy the groceries. I took away knives and even guns from middle school students, worked with a 12-year-old who was the victim of incest, brought food for first graders who showed up without snacks or lunch, filled out mandatory reports on multiple instances of abuse and neglect. I taught kids with alcoholic and drug-addicted parents. I appreciate the emphasis on students with trauma today, and I'm glad that we are recognizing it and addressing it. It is long overdue. Students have always had challenges and will continue to have challenges.
0: They also have strengths. It's true that there are many kids whose strengths aren't recognized. We need to continue our efforts to recognize kids where they are and provide them with the kinds of support that they individually need. The idea that people have strengths and challenges applies to everyone. We can recognize these strengths and challenges and support people in the ways they need. Where can you see someone's gifts and challenges and then support them?
1: I have some examples of that. A few years ago, I made it a goal to buy art for my house from struggling artists or students. It's fun to find little gems I know that no one else will have in their home. I've also taught a friend with severe anxiety, some breathing exercises and tapping on pressure points as a way to help her focus and get back in control. I'm not a medical expert, but that's something that I know and that I've used personally. So when she's having an anxiety attack, I'll even do it with her on the phone. I'll just say, let's breathe together. Just two examples of simple ways that you can support someone.
0: I was having a conversation this morning with two soon-to-be teachers. We were talking about the way schools are set up and the way things happen. What I was telling them, I think, is very fitting in this podcast today. We need to challenge ourselves to not look through the traditional lens of what traditional schools tell us our students' strengths and weaknesses. For example, that strong-willed first grader that you're working with is going to be an amazing leader someday. She may impress us all as she sits at the head of the boardroom table, yet those same skills can be seen as a detriment in traditional schooling. We really challenge you to look at kids a little bit differently. Throughout the history of schooling, kids have always had strengths and challenges, and they always will. The same can be said about our family and our friends we all benefit when someone recognizes and responds with understanding to our challenges and strengths that each of us have, which is a wonderful transition to life lesson number
1: three. Good things don't come easily. We live in an era of instant gratification, We can order something from Amazon and have it delivered within a day. If we need information, we can just look it up on our phones and have it in seconds. It might be jading us, sifting our expectation of how long things take. This is another one of those ideas our grandparents talked about. In this country, we pride ourselves on hard work, a good day's labor, a solid work ethic. How might this show up in school?
0: One way it might show up in school is that we can teach students processes. For example, writing. Good writing doesn't always just flow out of the tip of your pen. There are steps. We can teach them the steps, coming up with an idea, jotting down notes, writing a draft, etc. It's often done over time. Sports teams understand this concept. Coaches teach drills. Players do those drills repeatedly until they're better and better at it. The same is true of art or music. It takes practice to get better. When it comes to academics, we can teach students that learning takes time and it doesn't always come easily. We can emphasize having a growth mindset and then we need to model it ourselves. We can also teach students to make goals, even to
1: plan for the future. Think of the work of Carol Dweck and growth mindset or Angela Duckworth and her concept of grit. It also connects to resiliency. We discussed that in episode 27. There's also a movement in schools today to teach goal setting as a form of self-regulation. Goal setting also is telling you things don't always come easily. You can plan, you can learn, you can grow, you can set those goals. It's a great reminder that good things often take time and work. We can't expect things to happen in a social media second.
0: Another life lesson, life lesson number four, is that change is inevitable. We have always experienced change and we will always experience change in the future. Have you ever noticed people that really struggle to accept change? They're often miserable. Sometimes we can manipulate the change. Sometimes we can slow it down, but we can rarely stop change completely. In a previous episode, we talked about the changes with computers and phones in schools. Think about the use of video. Once it was reel-to-reel films or film strips in school. Then it became educational television. And now we can access all kinds of videos from our computers.
1: Another example of something that has changed dramatically is libraries. Libraries were once the place that held books and later books and videos. Now, libraries are not just about books. You can check out boxes of Legos, specialty cooking pans, or even gardening materials. Libraries have also become community centers, places where you can work together in groups, hold meetings, and I've even seen job interviews being conducted at the library. Libraries are sponsors of lifelong education. They offer things like art and music classes for moms and tots, genealogy research groups, and even tax preparation or cooking classes. You can still go to libraries to access information, but librarians do so much more than stand behind a desk and check out books. They've become adept at helping people find information online, as well as teaching technology skills. In my local library, you can even access a podcasting studio or use a 3D printer. It's amazing the ways libraries have changed.
0: While some people might say that libraries are outdated, the visionaries are viewing libraries as a way of bringing communities together, supporting community interests, and meeting community needs. We do acknowledge that change, even though inevitable, can be difficult. It can alter how we think and what we do. How can we deal with change successfully? Well, here's a few tips. First, learn about whatever is changing. When you understand something, it can be a whole lot less frightening. Then take baby steps in trying and applying something. Don't forget to ask for help and guidance or find a mentor or a teacher who is ahead of you in the change process and learn from them. Look for the silver linings, like that example we just gave with the library, the transformation that has happened in libraries because people embrace the change.
1: Speaking of embracing change, A mentor of mine, Dan Miller, who's a radio podcaster, coach, and the author of 48 Days to the Work You Love, always says of change, what does this make possible? When you look at change that way, it's automatically more positive. This leads us to our last life lesson. How we spend our time is how we spend our days, and how we spend our days is how we spend our lives this seems like a big life lesson. It encompasses a lot. Think about your days being full of time. We break our days down into minutes and hours or class periods if we're in school. How do you spend that time? You have all had the experience of having days go by, almost as if on autopilot. Every day was full of minutes and hours rushing by. Before you know it, weeks have flown by and then years. The baby that was born seemingly yesterday is now starting school. Before you know it, you are middle-aged and sending your kids off to college. You've probably said things like, time flies. It seemed like yesterday. Or where has the time gone? What does this tell you?
0: For this life lesson, we want you to really think about your habits. Because so much of our time is spent with things that are our habits. We should look carefully at our habits and then build habits that are useful. We can also help our students and our own children to build good habits when they are young and also as they grow older. They need habits that will serve them well for the rest of their lives. Think about your habits, how small habits can build up and impact the rest of your day, your week, your year, and maybe someone else's. For example, let's say you just haven't really set aside that time and made a habit of packing a healthy lunch. So instead, it's morning, you're rushing out the door, you throw five or six cookies into a baggie, and that becomes your lunch. You eat those five or six cookies, and then a couple hours later, when you're in a really important meeting, that sugar high you were on puts you into a big crash. You're not the best you could have been at that meeting. You likely let down your colleagues. You could barely stay awake. Then when you get home, because you're feeling bad about that meeting, you might think, I don't have the energy to make a really healthy supper. Then you resort back to something easy, not healthy, and then it just continues day in and day out. Just that one little habit of not packing a healthy lunch impacts you, your day, your week, maybe your year, and that of those around you.
1: When we think of how our minutes, hours, days, and our weeks just flow together and become our years and become our life, it also reminds us to pay attention to things that matter. Are you enjoying your days? Are you getting to do the things that you love to do? If you're unhappy most of the time or spend your days doing things you hate, then what does that say if you keep repeating things that you don't enjoy, that don't make you happy? How does that turn out in the bigger scheme of your life?
0: Are you spending time with those people that you care about? If how we spend our days is how we spend our lives, who do you want to be spending your days with? And are you spending your days with them? Ultimately, how you spend your days matters. You can't control every minute, but there is a lot that you can control. What you do matters because it is going to make up your life. If you want to have an inspiring life, you are going to need to make some inspiring choices. We hope these five lessons hold true for you like they do for us.
1: Let's recap. Today we discussed five life lessons that have worked across the years at work, school, and home. Number one is significant learning does not take place without significant relationships. Number two is that all people have strengths and challenges. Number three reminds us good things don't come easily. Number four is that change is inevitable. And lastly, how we spend our time is how we spend our days, and how we spend our days is how we spend our lives. These are all lessons that stand the test of time.
0: In true teacher fashion, we always end our podcast with homework. Our homework for you today is to implement one of these life lessons into your life right away. Which one stuck out to you the most? That would be a great place to start. Of course, we won't collect your homework, but we'd love to hear how it's going. So
1: drop us a message on social media, through our email, through our website. And if you're enjoying this podcast and you'd like to be up to date and be notified when there is a new episode or learn about our workshops or other opportunities, take a moment to go to our website at inspiredtogetherteachers.com and sign up to get our free newsletter.
0: That's all for today. Class dismissed. Thanks for listening to today's episode.
1: If you'd like to continue the conversation, Join us on Instagram and Facebook at Inspired Together Teachers or head over to our website, inspiredtogetherteachers.com for more podcast episodes, our award-winning blog, and free guides to help you be your best. Until next time, may
0: you be inspired in your work life and home life to live your best life.